0: From Japan, I'm Frank Ling. And from Chicago, Illinois, I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right, it's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Greg Stemmin will join us to discuss cancer sniffing dogs. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world famous question a week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. science show. Prostate cancer is a major problem with about 1 in 35 men dying from the disease. Although there are many methods for diagnosing prostate cancer, a unique method may involve man's best friend. Well, joining us today to discuss this issue is Mr. Greg Stebbin. Mr. Stebbin is an editor for Men's Health magazine, which has recently published an uh, article on how man's best friend can uh, sniff out prostate cancer. Mr. Stebbin, thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show.
1: It's great to be here. Thank you.
0: Well, certainly a pleasure to have you on the program, and certainly a very fascinating article in Men's Health Magazine
1: about prostate cancer in dogs. Can you tell us a little about this? Sure. Well, just as a little background on prostate cancer, it's a very complicated disease, and in, in many ways, it can be likened to being the male equivalent to breast cancer in the sense that it's largely gender specific. It takes almost as many lives every year as breast cancer. Breast cancer, about 40,000 women a year in the U.S. die of breast cancer, about 30,000 men. Obviously that's a 10,000 person difference, but still significant. And the other thing that's really significant about prostate cancer is that like breast cancer, early detection is definitely your best chance at beating the disease. And here's where there's a big difference between breast cancer and prostate cancer. Uh, with breast cancer, cancer, we are all very well informed about the threat of breast cancer, what a mammogram is, what a pink ribbon means, who Susan G. Coleman was, why women doing self-breast exams is so important. And even though there are tests that men should be getting done on an annual basis for prostate cancer, almost nobody knows anything about them, largely because women are really good at taking care of themselves and taking care of each other, and us guys are kind of embarrassed and we're not very good about going to the doctor, so more of us than necessary die of prostate cancer simply because we don't know that there's a simple test we should be getting. It's even more complicated than that because the the blood test, which is called the PSA test, even though It is the best way we have available to detect prostate cancer and take advantage of early detection. It's not actually a great test. It's the best test we have, but it's not a great one because they predict that of all the men who take a PSA test and then get flagged as possibly having threat of prostate cancer, only a third of them really do. So you get the PSA test, it comes back with an elevated rating, and then you go on to have a biopsy, and two-thirds of those men who go on to have a biopsy end up not having prostate cancer. So having a better way of detecting prostate cancer would be great and it turns out that as you suggested there is one dog today who has been trained to very very effectively detect prostate cancer through a urine test.
0: I see and so is it just that men are not aware that this is as big an issue as uh, women are for getting tests for breast cancer?
1: Yeah, that's kind of the top level or layer of it. But I think, you know, the next question is why are men not as aware? You know, women are aware of breast cancer and even men are aware of breast cancer because women have been very vocal about it. And that's why we know so much about it is what started as a grassroots women need to give themselves a check every month has grown into almost a social and fashion statement, whereas the same thing has not happened with prostate cancer. A lot of that is simply that women traditionally in the home are the caretakers and the men are the breadwinners and they keep the cars running while the women keep the the health of everyone in the household going. I'm not advocating that, I'm just saying traditionally that's how it's been and part of the message you can get from that is that as men, both traditionally and even statistically, we're terrible about doing things like going to the doctor. So it's really no surprise that we know so little about prostate cancer, even though almost 15 or 20 years ago, very brave politician Bob Dole, had prostate cancer, was told that if he spoke publicly about it, it would probably kill his career, but he said, I don't care, I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna do what I have to, and what I have to do is make more men aware of this disease and the chance for early detection. He was the first one to speak out publicly about prostate cancer, much like many women do today. Other very well-known men have talked out, spoke out about prostate cancer as well, and yet it really hasn't made a difference. Men are still basically blind to the risks and the possible options that early detection and the PSA test present.
0: Uh, Isn't it true men can also come down with breast cancer as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's certainly not, breast cancer is certainly not exclusively a female illness, but it's largely something that attacks women. So yes, men should be concerned about breast cancer as well. But frankly, the numbers for prostate cancer are much, much, much more dramatically higher.
0: And when a guy dies of prostate cancer, it's really a very painful process, isn't it?
1: It, it, It's pretty awful. You know, I mean, even as recently as we all heard that Dennis Hopper, the movie actor, died of prostate cancer. And if you had an option of detecting this disease and taking care of it, versus dying of it, let me tell you, I guarantee you would prefer to continue to live life without having that, you know, dying of something else, let's just say. I mean, you know, I'm not saying any death is pleasant, but this is a particularly prolonged and painful one.
0: So tell us a little bit about this study that says dogs may be able to sniff out
1: prostate cancer. This is a really interesting thing that came out at a uh, conference about a month ago in San Francisco. Some French researchers have the idea, and, and this really makes a lot of sense, you just kind of have to walk through it and process it, but they had the idea that when a male body began to create a prostate cancer tumor, that could cause some unique chemical reactions in the body, and those unique chemical reactions in the body may have unique scents. And if you wanted to detect a unique scent about the human body, where better place to turn to find those scents or detect them than the dog, man's best friend who we all know has a pretty remarkable sense of smell. So they trained one dog to detect the unique scent put out by the body when a prostate cancer tumor was being generated within the body and that dog could detect this from a urine sample and when it smelled the prostate cancer scent, it would then sit down, signaling that this was a man who had prostate cancer. Now, I said earlier that with a PSA test, they guessed that about two thirds of men who get a PSA test, that get PSA test results back, that say they have prostate cancer really don't, so it's what's called a false positive. It's you're being told you have cancer, but the biopsy shows that you don't. In the case of this dog, It was successful at sniffing out 63 out of 66 prostate cancer samples. That's an incredible result and and really blows away the idea of two-thirds being false positives or, or incorrect results.
0: Do they know exactly what the dog is picking up on? Well,
1: that's, the, that's really the next piece of the puzzle. I mean, so first of all, you know, as I said, there's one dog in France who has been successfully trained. So if you think about this from sort of a scientific and scientific method perspective, what's the next thing we have to do? Well, what's the next thing they have to do, is they have to determine whether is this dog a freak of nature or can other dogs be trained. So that's the next step. Can we train other dogs to produce similar results? And assuming they can, let's face it, it's not particularly productive to try to train thousands of dogs and spread them around the world to detect prostate cancer. What would be better is to train enough dogs to successfully identify prostate cancer tumors and then to attempt to learn exactly the answer to the question you asked, which is what is it that they're sniffing and can we then find a way to create the same result in a clinical way, you know, through some kind of electronic sniffer or a litmus paper test or who knows. We went from thinking the best way to to find prostate cancer tumors was with a blood test. Now we're talking about dogs and a urine test. Who knows what the final form will be, but it does look like dogs will provide the key to finding the answer to exactly what you ask, what is that smell and how can we identify it so that more and more men can have this much more highly accurate form of testing.
0: Do they think that they can train these dogs to sniff out other types of cancers as well?
1: Well, it's a great question, and actually this is not the first time dogs have been used to detect cancer. Other dogs have been used to find other kinds of cancer, I think uh, lung cancer and other types. So the idea of using dogs is not unique. What's interesting about this particular dog is that not only has it been used to detect other forms of cancer, it's also very well known as a very good sniffer of bombs. So this is a good bomb-sniffing dog as well. Clearly, what this tells researchers and animal trainers is this dog in particular is you know there's really two parts of the puzzle here, right? I mean, first of all, can the dog identify the unique smell, or can it be trained to identify the unique smell? And next is can the dog be trained to signal that it smelled that unique smell? I mean, that's a pretty pretty high level set of instructions in the sense that an animal has to learn. You might find a fabulous a dog that's fabulous at sniffing a particular scent, but it may not be good at letting you know it found it you may have dogs that are really good at signaling when something happens but it can't smell the unique scent of a cancer tumor
0: do you think there are particular breeds of dogs that would be better suited for this
1: well in this case it's a um i don't have the well it's, it's actually a, a shepherd and i'm not even sure i can say the name of it but it's a belgian malinois if i'm saying that correctly M a l i n o i s. It is a shepherd, and again, that shouldn't surprise us either because we know that shepherds in the past have been highly trainable for other uses. Do they think uh, other animals might be also useful for this? I suspect there's two tracks that this type of investigation might go on. The first is very specific to prostate cancer. Can we train other dogs? not with the goal of ultimately having a worldwide team of dogs sniffing prostate cancer, but so that we can learn from those dogs that can successfully sniff the tumors. And then the other track, I suspect, is just what other kinds of illnesses can we use dogs to detect? Because let's face it, uh, you know, as we talked about, this particular dog has been good at sniffing out other cancers and bombs. What other hidden conditions could dogs possibly detect for the same reasons, which is could uh, hypertension or high blood pressure be something that puts off a unique scent in the body too? Could they actually train dogs to detect a whole host of symptoms and then also train the dogs to communicate this scent equals that and this scent equals that? Um, I would think that would be the much more productive route versus just focusing in this case on prostate cancer. Maybe
0: just sort of as general guidelines for men, when uh, do you think men should get tested for prostate cancer and what should they be asking their doctors to look for?
1: Yeah, this is actually a really good question because as we talked about earlier, you know, most men don't know much about prostate cancer and when they should be tested or even that a test is available. So it used to be that the kind of hard and fast rule for men was you should start getting a PSA test, begin this blood test, as part of an annual physical exam starting at 50. The reality is medical professionals have begun to see that it's better not to have a hard and fast rule. Well, why is that? Well, first of all, If you have a family history of prostate cancer, start getting tested earlier. If you come from a population that tends to have higher incidences of prostate cancer, like African-Americans, it would be smart to start getting tested earlier because one of the things you realize is if the, the guideline is start getting tested at 50 and you get tested at 50 and you have an elevated PSA test score, your doctor doesn't have anything to compare that to. There's no baseline. So, I'll just give you myself as an example. I started getting interested in this disease purely from a journalistic perspective about 15 years ago. And I decided that at 40, I was going to get my first PSA test. You know, I had to twist my doctor's arm. I said, no, I'm getting this test. You don't need it. Well, I don't care. I'm getting it anyway. I started getting the test when I was 40 and every two years thereafter, I'm happy to say that there's nothing about my PSA test score that is worthy of any attention. But next year, if should I get a PSA test and it's even slightly elevated, we then have the advantage of going back and looking at where it was a year ago and saying, oh, it is slightly elevated versus, oh, it's been slightly elevated all along. It just puts everything into perspective. So to some degree, the answer is let family history and your own genetic background help you but the other thing is also be guided by what will give you peace of mind. And if your doctor says you don't need it, do it anyway. Ask him what it will cost and think of it as like insurance. Say to yourself, okay, it's 50 bucks or it's 100 bucks or it's 300 bucks. Is it worth it to me to be useful in the future? It's helpful to understand that prostate cancer in men is actually normal. They say that most men die of, let me say this correctly, most men die with prostate cancer not of prostate cancer. So at a certain age, 60 or 70 or 80, uh, when men die and they do an autopsy, they almost always find prostate cancer. It's just not life-threatening. It's life-threatening when it grows quickly. So one of the advantages of getting a PSA test early and then continuing to get it is, it helps you understand whether it's fast-growing prostate cancer or slow-growing prostate cancer. The reality is, Just because you have an elevated PSA PSA test score, and then even if you get a biopsy and see that you have cancer, knowing whether it's fast or slow growing will help inform what your next treatment option should be. There are many, 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 many men walking around today who know they have prostate cancer, they have elevated PSA test scores, they've had biopsies done, but they also know that it's very slow growing And so they, with their doctors, have come to the conclusion that doing nothing, which is clinically called watchful waiting, doing nothing is better than doing the kind of radical and invasive treatment that is often required to get rid of prostate cancer. And so a man with prostate cancer may seek no treatment for 10 or 20 years or even for the rest of his life, but because there's that baseline in uh, ongoing testing, which may happen not annually but even quarterly, they know whether the, the cancer is progressing or not if the cancer is not progressing and it's not hindering a man's life why should he do something dramatic like surgery or radiation or chemotherapy when it doesn't appear that it's a problem beyond the stage that it's already reached
0: i wonder if you have some final words uh, regarding the issue of prostate cancer and dogs being able to sniff out prostate cancer
1: well i just you know i i love the fact that man's best friend has turned out to be an even better friend than we knew but I think the real takeaway from this in, from this conversation is that whether you're a man or a woman at a certain age, somewhere between forty and fifty getting the simple PSA test done is very important. It's not a perfect test, we've talked about that, but it's the best test we have available today. And early detection is really the thing that's gonna, if there's any threat of prostate cancer in your future, early detection is gonna give you the most options. So for anyone listening, if you're a guy and you're 40 or older, start thinking about a PSA test. If you're a woman and there's a man in your life who's 40 or older, that could be a husband, a boyfriend, a father, a son, a best friend, whatever it is, make sure he knows about the PSA test, because I'll bet you he doesn't. And that kind of ignorance causes death and a lot of unpleasantness for both men and women.
0: Well, good advice, Uh, Mr. Seven. I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. You bet. It's great to be here. Thank you. And we're just listening to Greg Steppen discussing cancer-sniffing dogs. This is the Grok Science Show. Coming up in just a few minutes is the Grokatron 5000 and the world-famous Question of the Week. So stay tuned.
2: How much is that doggy in the window? The one with the waggly tail. How much is that doggy in the window? I do hope that dog is for sale. I must take a trip to California and leave my poor sweetheart alone if he has a dog, he won't be lonesome. And the doggy will have a good home. How much is that doggy in the window? The one with the waggly tail How much is that doggy in the window? <coughs> I do hope that doggy's for sale I read in the papers there are robbers <coughs> With flashlights that shine in the dark If he has a doggie to protect him he'll scare them away with one bar I don't want a bunny or a kitty I don't want a parrot the toes I don't want a bowl of little fishies you can't take a goldfish for a walk how much is that Doggy in the window? <coughs> the one with the waggly tail. How much is that doggy in the window? <coughs> I do hope that doggies, I do hope that doggies, I do hope that doggies for sale.
0: All right, it's time to play the game, the Grokatron 5000. It is our supercomputer, formerly known as Deep Blue. Today's topic is called Man's Best Friend. So for the following five people, the Grokatron 5000 would like to know if you think they are a man's best friend or not. Mr. Stebbin, you ready to play the game? You bet. Okay, here we go. Person number one, man's best friend or not, it's the talk show host, Jerry Springer.
1: No. I think more women watch his show than men.
0: <laughs> number two, man's best friend or not, Tiger Woods. I think he used to be
1: a good friend of man, but I think he kind of complicated that, so
0: no. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Number three, man's best friend, Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil. These are not very
1: good men's best friends. I hope hope the dog is in here somewhere. Again, I think he's kind of like Jerry Springer. I think more women watch Dr. Phil than guys, so I say no. All right, number four, Lassie. Lassie is man's, see, I called it. Lassie is man's best friend. Had he come first, he would have just got my vote. Absolutely.
0: Okay, and finally, number five, uh, man's best friend or not, is the pop star Lady Gaga. Oh, no. She's somebody's best friend, but I don't think she's man's best friend to whoever's best friend she is. Uh, I, I, I'm also Lassie as best friend. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Mr. Stebbin, I want to thank you very much for sticking around, playing our game, and of course, talking about the new issue in Men's Health uh, Magazine about uh, prostate cancer in dogs. Thank you very much for your time.
1: It's great to be here. Thank you.